0: Welcome back to the DealMakers podcast show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. So this episode is brought to you by NorthPass Business. Again, small businesses and startups, they often work with limited resources and reduce costs wherever possible. While this is sometimes practical, cybersecurity is one area where you don't want to cut corners. Creating strong, unique passwords for your company's accounts is a surefire way to defend your business from data breaches. However, with the number of personal and work logins we use daily, it's very easy to get password fatigue, leading to reusing the same passwords across accounts. So NordPass Business is a powerful password manager for organizations that removes the difficulty of generating and remembering strong passwords for you and your colleagues. Additionally, it allows for you to integrate single sign-on with your company's Google workspace accounts and effortlessly create groups to share sensitive information across teams and projects. So see NordPass Business in action now with a three-month Free trial by going to NordPass.com forward slash Pantera and use the code Pantera. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat, calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So, Go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple, and they give you the all—all all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to basecamp.com/dealmakers forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required, and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Alrighty, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So we have a very exciting founder today, you know, a founder that, uh, you know, he's going to tell us all about building, scaling, pivoting the business, you name it, all the good stuff that we like to hear. And I'm sure that you're all going to be very inspired with his journey. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Omri Geller. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Alejandro. Great to meet you.
0: Thank you for inviting me. So originally born there in in Tel Aviv, you were raised there. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up in Tel Aviv?
1: So Tel Aviv is is an amazing place to to grow up. First of all, the weather is uh, fantastic. It's pretty warm. There is uh, sometimes a bit of uh, you know wind and, and uh, rain, but mostly sun. Uh, life on the beach is great. Um and great food, very uh, vivid atmosphere. So people are very very happy and uh, communicating uh, one with each other, so it's a really friendly place and as a as a kid, growing up there is just amazing. And obviously it's amazing when you also have you know this 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 passion
0: for sports basketball, so I got you into basketball and also what a what a combo to combine that with also math and physics i mean that's kind of like weird because typically you would have like the good basketball player that is not so good on on maybe like the um the the academics, but in this case you know you combine both
1: yeah well, you know I think I was better in uh, math and physics than in basketball, but I did uh, play basketball for uh most of my uh, junior life all my friends were there so it was uh, a professional team we've been uh, you know training uh, four or five times uh, a week which was great i think it it was a lot of investment from my side um, because i wasn't that talented and also from a physically uh, perspective i wasn't the uh, the highest uh, person for the basketball team but it gave me a lot because um it helped me understand what discipline is. It helped me um, be in a competitive landscape that um, push you to the limits. And um, it also helped me be better in math and physics overall, I believe. So I did add those two parts in my life, a lot of sports on the one hand and a lot of you know study on the other hand. And I think it went well together.
0: That's amazing. Now, let's talk about problem solving. I mean, what... The whole engineering thing, I mean, has been, you know, a real big thing in your DNA, right? I mean, you've you've yeah. been, you know, studying it undergrad, you know, so you did your master's too in electrical engineering. So, I mean, would you say that perhaps like the the whole thing, you know, how you were always, you know, having this passion for math and physics, maybe it got you into that path and why specifically that path?
1: It's a really good question. So... I I always loved the um, you know the the science. Um, I found it super interesting and satisfying to solve um, those problems. And when I started my first degree in engineering, it wasn't clear to me yet that uh, this is the uh, the path that um, that I want to take for the long run. But it was clear to me that this is the next step once I love you know those scientific um, subjects. But the more I got into it. The more I understood that trying to tackle problems that um, the solution is not trivial many times is not there at all. For example, you know, in my master's degree, I did a research with my co-founder today, Dr. Ronan Dar, and he did his PhD. I did my master's and we worked on really interesting um, uh, problems that were so new and it was super exciting. So I think during all my uh, life as a, as an adult, in a way, I was chasing those new problems to solve. It just excites me time after time. So obviously the um,
0: the military service is mandatory there in Israel. I mean, you took it seriously because, I mean, you were there for about eight years. I mean, how many years is typically the military service and why
1: why did you stay for so long? Uh, yeah, so the, the, the mandatory service in Israel is uh, three years, basically um and you're right i was there for more than 8 years and i think it it was an, an amazing journey for me and there one of there are more, there are multiple reasons why you know um why i was there but the, the first the first reason is that it was good for me from many perspectives uh, i felt i felt really good contributing to to the country i felt that uh, i was in the military i was in a technical um unit meaning that my my uh, my goal there was to develop uh, cutting-edge technological projects and to be part of the development of those projects, and that was exciting and really satisfying. So I was there and kept kept improving my technical capabilities and personal capabilities. And I think just relating to the problem-solving um, point that, that you mentioned. One of the great things in those um, technical units that um, that I had the opportunity to be part of is the fact that most, if not all of the problems, there are problems that haven't been solved before. So you spend a lot of time um, trying to bring solutions to problems that typically the world doesn't know. And that was super exciting with bright people and super smart Folks that are working in 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 those teams, it was just an amazing experience to be part of.
0: That's amazing. Now I know that you know obviously nowadays everything is AI related. No, everyone says, oh, we have like an AI thing. I mean, every project, you know, they talk to you about AI or whatever that is. But hey, back then, you know, when when you got started with this thing, you know, it was not that popular. So, what caught your attention and 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 why? What did you find so exciting about artificial intelligence?
1: So. It's absolutely right, though the concepts of AI are here for decades on decades. So for those that um, are familiar with the details already, you know, maybe probably in the 40s or 50s, neuroscientists thought about um, building machines that would mimic the the human brain. But in in reality, those algorithms or those um, methods never brought uh, good enough results. Until um, there was a big change in the world, I think we're looking about you know, 10 years ago or something like that, where computing power, uh, and specifically um, GPUs by NVIDIA, graphical processing units, were actually used in order to run um, AI models. And when you had enough computing power, the uh, the AI models themselves started to bring good results. So kind of the, the intersection between there is a lot of more data in the world and there is enough compute power in order to, to, to try and, and build those AI models that were a dream before, made the, the, the world into a situation where AI started to show um, good results, initial signs of success with, with AI models. Now, when we saw that, Ronan and myself, we also believe that there is going to be um, a trend that computing power which was an enabler for building those ai models will be more and more important over time so we we believed you know looking 5 6 years ago that's the point in time when we discussed it we looked at the future and we thought that ai is going to be everywhere because finally the true potential of ai started to be unlocked so we felt that ai is going to be everywhere because it's only the beginning it's still very early in the journey, but five, six years ago, it was much more uh, early in the, in, the, in the journey. So we looked into the future and we felt that, okay, if AI is going to be, AI applications are going to be everywhere and they require a lot of compute power, then there is also going to be revolution on the computing power that, uh, that uh, the world has in order to run those uh, AI models. So we felt that there is just, this is um, you know, a space that is going to grow significantly, the, the computing infrastructure for AI. And we also believe that AI is going to change the world. And we set ourselves on a mission to help humanity solve the unsolved. And we believe that AI will solve the unsolved. And we just started the journey trying to look where we can bring value and, and innovate And enable the world, basically, to build AI solutions. And that's why we started the journey in the AI space.
0: And obviously, you know, as they say, uh, ideas, they are like dormant. You know, you don't even know that they're there. And then, you know, over time, you know, they develop, you know, and they take their own shape or form. And then eventually one day, you know, you're like, my God, you know, it's just like so obvious, so clear to you that, you know, that's the direction that you need to, you know, pursue. So at what point, you know, did you obviously run and, you know, you met your co-founder uh, during during your studies and after, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you were combining that with the military, but but at what point did you run and Ronan said, screw it, let's do it?
1: It wasn't easy to, to take that decision of, uh, you know, just do it, right? We understood pretty quickly that we want to continue and work as a team and build a company with... Uh, good DNA and great culture. But then we started a process of uh, trying to understand what exactly we want to build. And that process is, um, I would say, is challenging. And also, it's really hard to know when to stop and when to say, just do it. Because for every idea that you have, um, there will be some hard questions you can ask and get the the answers that you don't want to hear. Uh, That says, hey, let's not do it. So, I think we've been in this ideation phase for about a year uh, following the moment we decided that we want to open a company. So, we've been at the ideation phase for about a year looking on different problems to solve in the AI infrastructure space. And the moment when we felt that there is enough opportunity for us is after speaking with, I would say, a few dozens of AI uh, companies. And again, it was 2017, 2018, so there weren't that much of you know, AI companies at that stage, at that point in time. But we spoke with enough, and we started to see a clear trend that um, you know, in our interviews with those companies, we started to see the trend that, that they always feel that they don't have enough compute power to build uh, their AI solutions. And then it was clear to us that there is, there need to be some innovation in that um, in that space that will allow um, organizations to always feel that they have enough compute power so they can build AI solutions. When we felt that, we felt okay, that's that's the right time to to start a company, and we started to dig deeper in order to understand exactly what is the product that we want to solve. So what happened next? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened next? So then it was this uh, this stage that we really need to to understand what is the product that you're building so we convinced ourselves that um there is enough opportunity in the ai infrastructure space but we need also to we needed to convince ourselves that there is a technical problem that we can solve using you know our capabilities uh and so on so we started to work with a uh, few companies that uh, um Helped us understand what is, you know, the MVP. What is the MVP product that we want? We want to build. Um, it was back then in the beginning, and still today. But it is a software that knows how to um, basically utilize the compute power for AI better, so that the AI practitioners can be more productive and can build um, build AI applications faster. Um, using using run ai which is the product today and we started and we've built a um a technical mvp of the product that the uh, technical poc basically that showed a few of the companies that we discussed how they can accelerate the research time and how they can bring ai solutions faster using our software so they can train their ai models faster and bring Faster time, you know, have faster time to market. So that's what happened. We've started to build a product. Once we had uh, this uh, proof of concept, we went to raise our SID uh, funding.
0: And obviously, the idea has changed a lot since then. I guess, you know, for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business
1: model of Run AI? How do you guys make money? A little bit about Run AI, and then I can also talk about the, the, the specific business model. But in general, what Run AI builds is um, we're in a compute uh, management platform for AI infrastructure. It means that every AI um, computer or AI processor in the world that runs an AI application can use Run AI as a middleware that optimally run the AI application on this AI accelerator. And with that... We are, we've we built a business model that actually charge uh, annual subscriptions from customers based on the amount of uh, compute power for AI that they have. So the more compute power they use, the more they pay to to run AI. Um, and obviously, with run AI, the result for the business is overall higher utilization of this AI compute processors and faster time to market um, with their AI solutions. And um, this is the business model, so really straightforward. So we'll get
0: back to our conversation in a minute, but if you're an entrepreneur or a sales leader, you want to listen to this. Let me tell you about Wingman. Not, no, no, not Tom Cruise. Wingman is a conversation intelligence tool that helps folks like you coach and scale up their sales teams really fast, really easy. Now, I know you know scaling is not just about hiring. Getting the team up to speed can be the real speed bump. Well, Wingman can help you in getting that. It lets you build call libraries with game tapes relevant to every sales situation, complete with highlights and notes, and it's asynchronous. I mean, repeatable sales training engine. Not just that. Wingman even helps during sales calls with contextual battle cards and monologue alerts. The great thing about Wingman is that it plays nice with all your existing tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoom, Teams, and Google. It even syncs up with Slack so you don't have to log into your CRM all the time for deal updates. So head over to trywingman.com to give it a try. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-G-M-A-N.com. It's just the Wingman your sales needs to really predictably beat revenue targets quarter after quarter. This episode is brought to you by Partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly. Perfect for fast growing business. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups. You know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting inbox so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com forward slash deal makers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about partner hero from deal makers and they'll waive the setup fee. And and obviously, you know, like one, one thing that um, that is very interesting there is that I mean you guys have raised uh, quite a bit of money. Uh but I know that after you had raised, you know, past the series A, you know, which is typically interesting because, you know, normally at the Series A is when you have already raised money and everything is validated and you have a clear understanding. You put X, you take out Y. Now, in your guys' case, you know, like you realize that things were not really working as you had hoped for. I mean, the scale, you know, you, you you couldn't see it. It was not, you didn't have that clarity on it. And you went to the board. What happened?
1: <laughs> yes. So we raised our seed, our seed money. It was $3 million in, in um, April. 2018. And pretty quickly um, with our product, we started to, to bring the first customers to run AI. So a few months later, we already had paying customers, which is relatively quick. And it started to scale. The business looked pretty, pretty good. And towards the end of 2018, we went um, and did um, another fundraising. So in early 2019, we raised our A round. It was a $10 million round. And the idea was to continue and scale You know, the go-to market, scale the business, because we already had this uh, um, initial traction that you want to see after your, uh, your seed investment. And the business was growing. But what actually happened is that um, that was the time when we went out of stealth and when we went out of stealth post the a round we got exposure to significantly more um organizations in the world so obviously you know when you're still in stealth there is only so many there are only so many organizations you can speak with based on relationship um introductions and so on and it's only when you are uh, going um going out from stealth that you can start and reach out to Um, you know, the wider audience, all the companies in the world, basically. And once we did that, we identified that as Run.ai is building um, a product that knows how to optimally manage compute power, we've built our product not based on a very strong tool that. The world started to use, which called Kubernetes. I guess that some of the listeners here are familiar with Kubernetes and the cloud native ecosystem. And RunAI was not connected to this ecosystem. We actually built our product without um, integrating into the the ecosystem of um, um, of the cloud native container ecosystem. And many organizations gave us as a feedback that this is missing, that they cannot install run AI as a compute management platform if it's not connected to their already existing resource management layers like Kubernetes. So for us, it was an understanding that we probably need to re-engineer the product. The value proposition was there. Utilizing the compute resources better was there. The helping you know, organizations to get to production faster was there. Reducing compute cost, it was there. But when we started to speak with the enterprises, they just wanted us to be part of their already existing environment versus installing run AI as a as a standalone product that is not connected to their overall IT uh, environment. so for us it was a moment to take a decision if we want to continue and grow the business without, being uh, you know in conne- without connection to the cloud-native ecosystem, or delete everything that we've done, build the product again, basically from scratch, with, um, with the same value proposition, but this time in a way that can plug in to Kubernetes environments. And Kubernetes became at this time, it was already in every enterprise, became the de facto platform for container orchestration, and we understood that what we really want to do right now in order to scale is instead of creating a um you know a full compute management layer, actually building run AI as a plugin to Kubernetes that makes Kubernetes efficient for managing AI compute clusters and in order to do that, we needed to go back to the drawing board start to to write the code again. And stop the scaling of the business, but it was the best decision that we took because we went back to the drawing board. After a few months, we came with a new, a new product, basically based on a plugin to uh, to Kubernetes, and 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 um, actually that made us scale very quickly from that moment on. And enterprises started to to be. Super engaged, and the rest, the rest
0: is history. The rest is history, umri And so, so how much capital have you guys raised today?
1: So until now, raised one hundred and eighteen million dollars. So past that moment, we have uh, we raised another hundred and uh, probably hundred and five million dollars in two funding rounds uh, from Insight Partners and uh, and Tiger Tiger Global, um, and that was. In you know in recent uh, two years as the business is scaling consistently quarter after quarter and continue um, in that environment as well
0: and what's the process because i'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people that are outside of the US you know that are probably like thinking about raising money or what's the process of being overseas let's say from so far away you know there in in tel aviv and, and being able to get the caliber of investors like tiger and Insight that you were able to onboard that are so far away from you, how were you able to to do that
1: so I think the, the, there is um, Israel is a very small country and also um, far away basically from the u s where we can where the main investors that we want to work with will are at but Israel is extremely. Exciting when it comes to technology. The, uh, basically, the population in Israel, or the ratio between uh, the amount of people in Israel and the amount of companies, startup companies that uh, that are succeed succeeding, is probably the highest in the world. So Israel is under focus point of many um, large investors, among them, you know, Insight and Tiger, as you mentioned. So they are operating in this um, in Israel and are very active here. And that allows us for the opportunity to get the, um, you know, to get the exposure to investors in that caliber. And Rania is a super exciting company. So we were also able to excite them and, and add them on board. So I think it was a great win-win.
0: Amazing. Now, in your case, you know, I know that the um, team is very important. You know, we're talking about here investors, which is bringing people you know, on board. So when it comes to team you know what what should a founder you know keep in mind to make sure that they have the right people
1: I think the first thing is to always ask yourself <laughs> that you have if you have the right people and uh, because a company is built on the people and everything that we achieved is because of the amazing team that uh, there is in, in Run AI and other companies uh, success is also dependent on that. So my best, my best tip, and in 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 a, in a high level, is always think about your team and make sure that you have the right people surrounding you. Now, the next question is what are or what is the right people, right? And what are the right people? And I think here, um, what I learned is that people that are dynamic, adjustable and are eager to learn and succeed are the people who will drive success in a in a young startup because the things that you need to do as an entrepreneur and as an you know a small startup company is ever changing there is no there is no exact structure and there is no um, one plan that just always works so people need to take a lot of different tasks um, each of the people in the company. So the right people are those that find that type of um, diversity in responsibility as as something that excites them, and they leverage it in order to learn how to do things that they haven't done before. And you must have those type of people in your organization, people that are just ready to always learn new stuff and change their responsibilities quickly and very eager to succeed personally and for the company so when i look if i'm you know a young entrepreneur today that uh, starting the journey i would bring with me the people that um, that are so hungry for their success and want to improve themselves and when people improve themselves then the company is also uh, is in the route for success because people you know it's kind of there is really high correlation between people's success and company success. So people that are pushing their self limits will will push the company to achieve uh, more and more over time. So that would be what I'm looking for um, in people joining building a team.
0: And obviously, when we're talking about limits, you know, one thing that comes to mind too is, I guess, it's the 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 roller coaster of emotions that an entrepreneur needs to to go through. Right? I think that. People really underestimate, you know, what the journey looks like. You know, people just say, read the magazines, they watch the movies, and they think that this is all full of glamour. And that's not the case at all. You know, you got to really embrace the ups, embrace the downs, which is where the lessons are going to be learned. But how, who do you need to be to keep everything together and and, 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 and to be effective with whatever you have in front of you? How, how has it been that roller coaster for you, Omri?
1: It has been and still is a roller coaster. Uh, I think uh, the first thing that you need to be is optimistic because there are going to be, as you said, ups and there are going to be downs. And sometimes the, the time frames between an up and down can be very short and sometimes it can be very long. So there is a lot of the, both ups and downs in a, in a startup journey. Having said that um, like you know looking similarly to looking at uh, I would say the uh, the public markets right over time they're going in up um, but there are some downs. The only way to to keep to keep the momentum going when things are not amazing and there are a lot of times like that um, is to always look at the bigger picture and understand. Where you want to go, where you want to be in, you know, three, four, five years from now, and making sure that you have the right strategy in place to get um, to this, uh, to this, you know, to this future that you that you envision. Now, if the strategy is not good enough, then change. But in any case, ver- whether it's the best moment of your, you know, company life or the worst moment, you have to look beyond the next day, next month, or next quarter. You have to look four or five plus years and make sure that uh, you have what it takes in order to get there and be true with yourself. And this is, I think, super, super important. And um, also understand that when you are thinking in that way and you are optimistic, then even very bad things that happen, and believe me, they happen. They happen and they will keep on happening. Then if you understand the bigger picture and you have a moment, you know, to zoom out, you can actually you can actually understand that it wasn't such a big deal. And I'll give a few examples from you know from Run AI Life, right? So we've had this change um, that we discussed, you know, post A round, which at the at the moment felt like the worst thing that could happen for us. I mean, it was The company was scaling the business um, and now go back after we raised our A round. It seems like, you know, such a such a bad point in time. The engineering was always excited about it because it's building something again from the beginning, which is great. But from the business perspective, we, we, we went back. Okay, we went back, but that allows us allowed us in the end to move much faster afterwards. So. It was an amazing point in time, even though it felt like a big low at the moment. Um, a second point in time that felt at the moment like a very big low was when COVID started. So COVID started, just to, to put it on the timelines of Run AI. so we did this uh, change in the engineering at 2019, at the second half of 2019. And for those of you that remember, COVID started in March 2020. So exactly in the moment where we wanted to launch our new product, based on Kubernetes and all the good stuff, we were so excited. We actually had a huge conference that we were committed to, to to tell the world about the new product. It was in March, and that uh, that conference um, was canceled last moment, and the launch um, of our new technology and product was canceled because of COVID. And again, it felt like we're going to we didn't know where we're going. The world didn't know where we we're going, and for us as a company, it was also um, a very challenging time. And back in that day, in that time, some companies um, had some uh, some layoffs. Um, there were pe- people were very concerned about where you know the world is going, but we just decided to continue. We felt very confident in our product. We didn't change anything continue to develop it and just wait for the right moment to launch it when the world will be in a um, in a place where they can actually receive new technology and new product. And amazingly a few months afterwards, as you know, the economy changed. And again it was an uh, economy of growth. And we were and since that moment, again, we we're able to scale run AI. So another, you know, that's a second point in time where there was a big unpredictable uh, event that was against the um, I would say the the tailwinds the positive tailwinds that we had at run AI but that felt really bad at the moment, but over time um proved them to be a super important event in 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 things that we did internally in the company and and where we are today so if I want to summarize it so basically optimism is super important, super important believe in what you're doing believe in you know the 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 place that you want to go to in a few years from now and always check on a daily basis if the strategy is is right according to reality at that point in time but every event worse as it will be you will always have worse afterwards so just continue and operate that's 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 the best thing i can say wow that's
0: very very profound. Omri, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, imagine you were to go to sleep tonight, Omri, and you have this snooze of a lifetime. You know, you wake up, you know, in a world all of a sudden where the vision of run AI is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: A world where AI applications are implemented and running everywhere, whether it's, you know, in, in, every, in every vertical, in the autom- automotive and finance and healthcare and, you know, education and our life to life, our daily life is uh, day by day impacted by AI algorithms. And in that line, in that world, AI algorithms and AI applications are running everywhere. And running everywhere, meaning it's, you know, in the data center and public clouds and in edge locations and in your cell phone. And every, every, every location has dedicated AI hardware, to to run uh, ai applications and run ai is there to actually run those um, ai applications on the ai hardware that is everywhere so in my uh, in my vision and you know where i want to see the world in a few years is basically ai workloads that are running anywhere on top of the run ai system
0: wow now imagine omri that I put you into a time machine. And I bring you back to that moment where you were, you know, speaking with Ronin, where you were guys brainstorming about the future, bringing a solution to that gap that you saw, to that excitement around the world of AI. Imagine if you had the opportunity of going back and, and having a chat, you know, with that younger Omri, and giving that younger Omri one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now?
1: One of the things, a tip that is extremely important is to understand that building a company is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's take time, efforts, and you cannot expect quick outcomes. Over time, great things happen, but expectations um, from younger Omri should be the expectation is that it's going to take time and a lot of investment, and it's going to be very, you know, small increments that eventually um, will lead to a very large um, progress. So, I think just setting expectations that it's, it's um, there are going to be a lot of hard times and all the plans that you put when you start a company. Not all, but most of the plans are uh, probably not going to be executed exactly like you think you thought it will happen. And again, just think of that as you know a marathon, a seven, eight, ten years run versus a few months. That everything just working out, and you know everything. Everyone is just happy, happy, happy. It's not the way it works. I love it.
0: So, Omri, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: So in any, uh, um in any medium, this is great, um, obviously in LinkedIn, I'm happy to get as many connections and uh, happy to answer, you know, uh, thoughts and, 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 uh, and, questions and also on, uh, on email. So my email is omri at run.ai. Very open to conversations and love to speak with uh, entrepreneurs at any point and help more of them succeed
0: amazing well hey Omri, thank you so much for being on the deal maker show today it has been an honor to have you with us
1: thank you so much it was a pleasure
0: if you like the show make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you could leave a review as well that would be fantastic and if you got any value either from this episode or from the show itself share it with a friend perhaps they also appreciate it so also remember that if you need any help whether it is with your fundraising efforts